Well, I'm excited about this series. We're, uh, we're going to start our Rooted series every year. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we talk about our, our, main, our main values right at the church, connect and grow and serve. We, at the beginning of every year, we go back to, to our roots. What are we rooted in? Who are we? Why do we do it? And what is God about to do in this church this year? And so uh, I'm excited to start this series this, this week. Uh, this is a, uh, I, I've, I've anticipated this for a long time. This, this started uh, two years ago. This, this whole Connect, Grow, Serve thing started about two years ago. Uh, me and the, the board at that time, we sat in our, in our boardroom and we just prayed and we thought together, what, if we, what would it look like if everybody in our church was closer to God? What would it look like? If the, what, what do we want the people in our church to look like? What do we want our church to look like? And we came up with this, this list of, of 15, 20, I think it was longer, but we pared them down, things that... Uh, that we just knew that, that if God was to move in this place, that this is what we would see. And as we began to look at those, we began to see these, these themes of connecting and growing and serving. And so we came up with this, this mission, these, these values that we hold to be true at, at, at Fresno First Church. They're on the back of your bulletin if you want to take a look. Connect, grow, and serve. Now, we've, been, we've kind of been doing the hard work over the last couple of years of laying the foundation for, for what this actually looks like in practice, right? What, is it, what does it actually look like to be a church that connects, it grows, and serves? What does that look like? What does it mean? What do we do? Right? So, we've, so we've done that. So we have, we have laid that foundation. And actually, just a, a while back, maybe a month or two ago, as the board, we, we, we officially made this our church structure. Now, we are a church of connect and a church of grow and a church of, of serve. And so what we've done is we have created three councils. We've created a, a connect council that is really just truly to, to facilitate the connecting in our church, to facilitate relationships with each other. We're going to talk about that a lot today and connect, right? We've, we have a grow council whose, whose main focus is to, to focus on discipleship, to focus on, on spiritual growth in the church. They're going to provide you opportunities uh, to grow spiritually. They're going to be uh, challenging you. They're going to be walking alongside of you, discipling you to come and to, to grow spiritually. And then we have a, a serve council whose, whose sole focus is to, to, uh, to provide opportunities for our church to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in our community. That's, if that's who we're going to be as a church, that's who we're going to be as a church. And so over the next three weeks, you're going to hear me talk about connecting and growing and serving. And at the end of those, on, uh, it wasn't going to be the 15th, now on the 22nd, uh, we're going to have um, a ministry fair uh, right outside, right after service. We're going to have all of the leaders of our councils, of our Connect Council and our Grow Council and our Serve Council. They're going to be right out there in the foyer. And you're going to be able to talk to them and you're going to be able to, uh, to, to get involved in the areas in which you feel that God has gifted you. If you feel passionate about building relationships with other people and, and facilitating that, I want you to get involved in the Connect group. If you feel passionate about spiritual growth and you're, just, you're hungry for the word and you want others to hunger the same way that you hunger, I want you to get involved in the, in the Grow Council. And if you just feel passionate about serving and being in the hands and feet of Jesus in the community, I want you to be involved in the serve. Here's the thing. I, 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 don't, I don't believe this one bit, that the church is meant to just be stagnant. Hopefully over the last two and a half years that I've been here, you know that about me. I don't believe in a stagnant church. Everybody in the church has a place, has a responsibility, and it's time to go. And so we're going to do that. I want you to get involved. I want you to, to take on where God has gifted you, God has given you talents, and I want you to, to serve in those areas. And so that's what we're going to do. 
That's our, that's our church. And so over the next three weeks, four since Rob's taking my thunder next week, but uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about connecting and growing and serving. And so this morning, I, I really just want to talk about, about connecting. How about connecting? Yeah, I, I, me, after I left that board meeting a couple years ago, and I thought, man, we are just really smart people. That was really good. That was, that was really good of us to, to write down all these things, to see this connect, grow, serve, and to, to know, like, man, this is, this is where we're going. We're just really smart people. Yeah, that was good to come up with that, you know, and I, I believe that God gave that to us, you know, but, but as I went home and as I thought about it, I thought, you know, that's the least original thing ever that we could have thought of right there, connecting and growing and serving. All right, it's basically Acts 2. That's what it is. All right, if you turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Verse 42 to 49, or I'm sorry, 47. Here's what this says. Let's see if you can can catch these themes in here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and, and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Yeah, do you, I, I think this is Connecro serve right here, right? We see the connecting. They, they, they were constantly meeting together in the temple courts. They were breaking bread together in their, in their homes. Right, there was the growth. They were, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, right, to, to breaking bread and to prayer. Right, they, they were serving. They were selling property and, and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They, every day they continued to meet together. This is, this is the early church is the picture of connecting and growing and serving. We're not onto something new here. We're onto something very, very old. And it's a beautiful thing. And so what does it mean? What does it mean for our church to, to connect? What does it mean to be a church that connects? Here's the thing. You and I were created by God for relationship. You and I were created by God for relationship. I mean, in the very beginning, God makes Adam, and and, and, and he looks at Adam, and one of the first things he says about Adam is this, it is not good for man to be alone. And so he makes Eve. And, and God and Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve find this community. They find this relationship. They connect with each other, right? And then, and then God even walks in the garden with them. And says, that, that's one of the most beautiful, beautiful pictures for me. Right? That, that God and Adam and Eve, they walked in the, in the garden in the cool of the day. Man, that's beautiful. This is what we're built for. We're built for this relationship. God did not make us to be alone. God did not make us to, to be isolated. But, but you know what? Loneliness and isolation, they're, they're kind of epidemics in our culture right now. We, we live, statistically speaking, Pew Research has done it, Gallup Research has done it, all these research companies have, have gone out and seen that we live in the most lonely, isolated culture ever. And it just keeps getting more and more isolated and keeps getting more and more lonely. Right? Here's, here's a couple stats that were done quite a few years ago now. That the, that the average American has two close friends. Two close friends. 
15% of, of Americans say that they have four to five close friends. 75% of Americans say that they have no one to talk to in a time of hardship. Three quarters of people say that when, if they're going through a hard time, they have no one to talk to. No one to talk to. Here's some, here's some, some newer research, right? That, that, that because of this loneliness and isolation that, that we have a, a culture where, where empathy is lacking. We have a hard time empathizing with one another. Right? We don't, we, there's the, the physical touch, right? Shaking someone's hands or giving someone a hug is almost non-existent now. Right? We, we, there's a, I heard this joke a while back. Uh, it was, uh, what's the difference between when the doorbell rings 40 years ago and when the doorbell rings today? Right? 40 years ago, the doorbell rang and, and the door was wide open for them and you had a special plate of cookies just in case someone came over. Right, And you were, you were just so excited that someone was there to visit you, so excited that someone, someone would, would think of you enough to ring your doorbell and want to come and hang out with you and talk with you and, and you had an extra couch in your living room just in case people came over. Right? And now, now what happens, the doorbell rings and, and you look around and you're thinking, did someone invite someone? What is going on right now? Who would come over to our house? Are we late on a bill? What is going on right now? Right? Why is someone ringing our doorbell? Right? This is, this is, the, this is the, the difference that we live in. This is the, the culture that, that, we're, that, we're, that we're in right now. Right? But God doesn't call us to be isolated. He doesn't call us to be, to be lonely. He doesn't, he doesn't give that for us. That's not what God desires for us. What God desires for us is intimacy. What God desires for us is, is relationship. God does not desire us to be alone. Right? In John chapter 17, if you turn to John chapter 17 with me, this is what God desires of us. Jesus actually, while he was here on earth, says a prayer for you and he says it for me. Here's what he says. John chapter 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Guess who that is? He's not just praying for the disciples. He's praying for everyone who would believe in him through their message. Now, if you believe this morning, Jesus is praying for you. Here's what he's praying for you. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's a powerful prayer right there. I mean, he's not just praying for, for just a little old unity. Like, he's not just praying for, for a simple kind of unity. Jesus is praying here for the kind of unity that he shares with his Father. May they be one, Father, just as you and I are one. Now tell me where loneliness and isolation fit in this. It's not there. God does not desire loneliness. God does not desire isolation for us. What God desires for us is relationship and intimacy and oneness. And so when I, when I say that one of our main goals here and one of our main our, our values, our mission here at Fresno First is, is to connect, this is what I'm talking about. That no one is on the outside. Right? That we're constantly trying to make the circle bigger and bring more people in. Right? It's not about who has and who hasn't. It's not about, about age or size or whatever. It's not about anything like that. Right? We have something in common. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Bible. And that connects us. And God desires relationship for you and he desires relationship for me. That's what we're all about. 
It's about connecting. See, but we have these, these barriers that we like to put up. Uh, we, can, we can come to church and, and we know everyone here, right? We know everyone here, but we don't necessarily really know everyone here. Right? We might not be close to everyone here. We know of them. We're, we're acquaintances with people, but we're not close. How we come and we put these barriers up. There's, there's kind of these life barriers that just happen, right? There's, there's the pace of life. We're just busy people. It stops us sometimes from being, from being close to each other. It stops us from, from building relationships with each other. We're just, we're just busy. Right? We've got family stuff. We've got all kinds of stuff. We've got all these activities and doctor's appointments and all, all kinds of stuff, right? That just keep us from, from being with each other. Right, but we've also got these, these things that have nothing to do necessarily with our life, but have everything to do with us personally. Right, we put on these masks when we come. We put on these facades when we come. Right, we come and we, we, we go and we, we shake each other's hands and we say, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Right, when inside, we know, we know, I'm not doing great. I haven't slept in three days because my son has pneumonia. I'm not really doing, I'm not doing so hot today. Right, that, this is this is the kind of thing. Like when we when we ask someone, "Hey, how are you doing today? Are you willing to to sit down and spend the five minutes it's going to take for them to explain that?" Right, this is this is the kind of intimacy, the kind of closeness that I'm talking about. Right, we put on these masks where we come to church and we we pretend like everything's fine and we go home and nothing is fine and and no one knows about it because we're not close enough with anybody to share. We're one of those seventy five percent of people who. Who, who can't even share our hardships with each other. We put on these masks, we put on these facades. That's not what Jesus has for us. It's not what God, God wants for us at all. There's some good reasons for it, though, right? I mean, how many of us have been rejected? We've told some people some, some important stuff to us, and we just felt betrayed when they went and told other people. Or we told some people something that, that I didn't think would ever get out. And now, you know, half the city knows because this person put it on Facebook. Or yeah, We've been betrayed. We've been rejected. We've, we've, we have this kind of fear, right? We have this fear of, of vulnerability. We have, we have a fear of opening ourselves up because we've been burned before. Right? There, there is a reason that the top fears in the world are things like public speaking and things like this. Why is it? It's because you're, you're, you're literally having to open yourself up. It's not easy to stand up here in front of all of you and just talk. It's not easy to, to tell my story sometimes because it's I have a kind of a rough story. I don't know what you guys are going to think if I, if I tell all my story. You've heard all my story. But we're vulnerable, right? It's, it's hard to be vulnerable. We have this kind of, we have this fear of being intimate with people, fear of being vulnerable with people. I think there's, there's really a couple things that we can do here. To, uh, the couple things that fear can do to us, I mean. Right, if, you, if you go back to Genesis with me, and you go back to Genesis chapter 3, right, Adam and Eve, and I told you earlier about Adam, excuse me. I told you about Adam. 
And God tells Adam, it's not, or he just says, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he makes Eve, right? And we've got this, this whole creation story of Adam and Eve. And, and they're in the garden. You remember the story of the serpent? Right? And the serpent tempts Adam and Eve. And, and sin comes into the world. And immediately, as sin comes into the world, there's this fear. And really what it is, is this, this, this fear of of this intimate relationship they had with God. Right? No longer are they, are they comfortable walking in the garden. No longer are they comfortable just, just being with God. They're, they're afraid. And their fear of this intimacy did two things to them. Right? If you look in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 9 and 10, I think the, the first thing is that it made them distant. Right? Adam and Eve, they literally, they literally hide. Right? Here's what it says. Then the man and his wife, I'm starting in verse 8, sorry. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? Right? They, they physically hid. They, they literally walked away and hid in the bushes as if, as if the God who made them and who made the garden could not find them there. But they hid. That's what the fear of this relationship did to them. It's the, the fear of, of being found out. They were, the fear of having to be vulnerable and admit like, hey God, something happened today. They, they literally went and they hid. And that's sometimes what we do. That's what isolation is. Right? And, this, and this fear that we have of, of being vulnerable with each other, sometimes we literally go and hide. Sometimes we, we physically go and hide. We just kind of lock ourselves up in the room and, and don't do anything. We kind of just go home and we don't go out anymore, right? We, we, we kind of literally hide ourselves away. But sometimes we, we just emotionally hide ourselves away. That's what I was talking about with these masks and these facades. That's exactly what I'm talking about. They're, we're just emotionally hiding ourselves. We're emotionally distancing ourselves from each other. But here's, here's the second thing they did. They got defensive. Right, this, this fear sometimes bring out, brings out a defensive nature in us. Right, and here, here's what happens in, in this story. Adam answered him, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceives me, and I ate. Right? What are they doing? They're just, they're just being defensive right now. Right? There's, there's, not a, there's not a desire to come clean here. There's not a desire to, to, to admit to God what has just happened. Right? There's, there's not a desire to, to be vulnerable here. They're, they're trying to hide. They're trying to, to not have to say, God, we messed up. We ate this fruit. But no, it was, it was Adam saying it was her. She gave me the fruit. And it was the woman, Eve, saying it was the serpent. He gave me the fruit. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not, it's not my fault. And sometimes we say the same thing. And in our minds, we, we're, we're going through some things where it's not my fault. not my fault that I'm like this. It's not my fault that he did this to me. It's not my fault that, that all this happened. And so I'm just going to be done. I'm going to hide myself away. I'm, going to, I'm not going to be a part of this. And so we kind of put up the masks. We put up the barriers. And we reject God's call to be close to each other. 
This is what happens. But God, Jesus, Jesus prays in John, God, may they be one as you and I are one. May they be intimate. May they have the kind of intimate relationship that you and I have, God. And I, I, I love this. I love what God prays, Jesus prays for us there. So how do we, how do we overcome? How do we overcome? How do we overcome this fear? How do we overcome the, the fear of, of intimacy? How do we overcome this? I just want to say a couple things this morning. Couple key notes for you if you want if you're taking notes. Here's the first thing. That you have to take a, a prayerful risk for an intimate return. You've heard me say this before. You have to take a, a prayerful risk for an intimate return. In any case, intimacy requires a risk. Intimacy requires a risk. I can imagine if, 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 uh, if I asked Rachel to marry me and she said yes, which she did amazingly. And then as we're going through our marriage, I just continually hide the things that I don't want her to know about me. I just continually like, just, just put on this, this face, this mask, this, this, this is who I want. This is what I want you to see me as, Rach. This is, this is the person that I want you to see me as. I guarantee you it would not take long. It would not take long for that marriage to become something that it's not. Probably for that marriage to fail, in all honesty. There's no intimacy in a marriage if you can't be risky and can't be vulnerable with each other. It's the same thing in, in our relationships. There's, there's not going to be any intimacy in our relationships if we cannot be taking risks. If we cannot open ourselves up to be vulnerable. If we can't do that, we're not going to have an intimate relationship, right? You cannot keep an ace up your sleeve and have intimacy. You cannot hold the upper hand and find intimacy. It's, it's scary, right? It's vulnerability, like I said, it's scary stuff. It's scary to be vulnerable, and I, well, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we just, that we just rush in and spill our guts on day one. All right, we, go to, we go to our first small group, and we just open ourselves up, and we just spill it all out for everybody to see. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to be like, just take all the risk right away. I'm saying prayerfully take the risk. Be prayerful about it. Prayerful, be, be, a prayerful risk gives you an intimate return. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It keeps no record of wrongs, right? There's, there's this whole, the whole section of what love is and what love looks like, right? This is, this is what can happen to us. But here's, here's the thing. Blocking ourselves off, putting on a mask, putting up a barrier, whatever it may take, it doesn't follow those rules. That, that's keeping a record of wrongs. That's maybe envying other people who, who have a life that, that you see as better than your own. Right? Love, love keeps no record. How do we overcome this? We take a prayerful risk for an intimate return. Here's the other thing we do. We have to, at the, the very beginning of everything, we have to find our security and our acceptance and our intimacy in Christ alone. 
in Christ alone. We have to find our security and our acceptance and our intimacy in Christ alone. Right? But before you step out in any sort of vulnerable situation, I want you to know this this morning. You are already sitting in a position of strength. Because you know who you are in Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've told this to. They'll come in and they're, they're stressing about something. They'll come talk to me and they're, they're curious about something. They're upset. They're, maybe they're a little down. They're, there's something. And here's, here's one of the first things I ever tell anybody that comes to me for counseling or comes to me and, and says something like this. Here's, what I, here's the task that I give them. I want you to go home and I want you to open up the Bible and I want you to find out what God says about you. What does the Bible say? What does God say about who you are? Because that's the starting point. And I can't tell you, they come back, if they've, if they've actually done it, I've had a few people that have actually done this and taken it seriously, they've gone home and for a week or two just really studied this. They've, they've turned their devotion time into looking for, hey, what does God say about me? Who am I in Christ? And they come back two weeks later, and more often than not, the thing that they were struggling with is not the thing they're struggling with anymore because they know who they are. They have a starting point. They have found their security and their acceptance and their intimacy in Christ before anything else. That's where it starts. That's where it all begins. We have to find our security and our intimacy in Christ. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you feel critical about yourself, it's easy for you to imagine that other people are critical about you too. Right? If you feel, if you just feel like, if you doubt yourself, if, you, if, you just, if you're not really feeling comfortable in your own skin, it's easy for you to project that on other people and think that they don't like me or they don't think, they don't think I'm good enough or they don't think this about me. We already have a position of strength. So, how do we, how do we overcome? How do we, how do we turn our relationships? How do we, how do we connect in this way? After we have this starting point of, of just being in Christ, of knowing who we are in Christ, of accepting who we are in Christ, and letting that be the baseline for everything. How do we move on? How do we build these relationships with each other now? Right, how, do, how, does these, how do these relationships between you and between me and between all of us, how do we widen the circle? How do we invite as many people as possible into this, to this community how do we become a community of people that love each other? How do we become a people who, who know each other and love each other and would do anything for each other? How do we do that? Well, I think there's three characteristics of that community. The first one is consistency. Consistency. Right? There's that old proverb, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. Right? A friend loves at all times. Consistency. You've got to be consistent in the way that you treat one another. Right? We've got to be consistent in the way that we love one another. We've got to be consistent in the way that, that, that we're committing to each other no matter what. No matter what happens, I am going to love you. No matter what happens, I'm going to be here for you. No matter what happens, I'm behind you. If for no other reason than we connect and we are part of this same community, I'm with you no matter what. I love you no matter what. I'm behind you. No matter what, if you need me to go somewhere with you, I will go there because no matter what, I'm with you. That's a picture of community right there. Right? Consistency. We need to be consistent in the way that we love and consistent in the way that we, that we treat each other. 
We also, <coughs> another characteristic is encouragement. We need to be a people that are constantly encouraging each other. Right? First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. And I love this that he says, well, just as in fact you are doing, is what he says to this community. Apparently this, this community is doing a really good job of this. Right? Encourage one another. Build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. I want you to know, I could have, I could have read basically those same words in, in Galatians chapter 6, or Philippians chapter 2, or even Ecclesiastes. Go ahead to Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter 4, verse 9 and 12. That's basically what they're saying. Encourage one another. Be, be encouragers to one another. Encourage one another in what we're doing. Right? Be on my team, and I'll be on your team. We're going to encourage each other as we build this community. Right? Not only are we just going to be consistent in the way that we love and consistent in the way that we treat each other, we're going to encourage one another. You're going through a hard time, I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen to your hard time, and I'm going to encourage you. Why? Because I'm going to be with you when you go through it. If you go through a hard time, I'm going to go through a hard time. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. This is the, the biblical picture of community. Right, we need to encourage one another, be with one another. We need to be encouraging. And then the last, the last, I think, characteristic is kind of an overarching one. And you've heard me use this word a lot, authenticity. We need to be an authentic, authentic community. We need to be real. We need to be real. These masks that we come with, they need to come off. When we come and, and people ask us how we're doing, we need to be able to say, do you have time to sit down for a couple minutes? I can tell you. And that person needs to be able to say, yeah, I didn't ask you, just, just ask. Maybe be authentic, be real. If I'm struggling with something, I need to be open that I'm struggling with something. If you're struggling, you need to be open that you're struggling. So why? So we can all go with you. We can all be with you, be authentic with you. You know who is the most authentic person in Scripture? Jesus Christ. Right, Matthew 28, I, my soul is grieved even to the point of death, Jesus says. Right, Jesus sees his friend Lazarus. Lazarus, he, he goes to the grave and he's weeping with Mary and Martha at the grave of Lazarus. Lazarus. Why? It's not because he's not just putting on a face. Jesus is being authentic. It was an authentic response for Jesus to walk into the temple and see things being sold in there and to throw the tables. And that was an authentic response from Jesus. Jesus was, was one of the most authentic people there were. We need to be authentic. We need to be real with each other. Right, James, James chapter, James chapter 5. Confess your sins to one another. This is, this is what James tells us to do. Confess your sins to one another. Verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Right? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, James says. There's the thing. 
How are you going to pray with someone about something if they don't tell you what to pray for? You've got to be authentic. First right, John 1 9, confess your sins to one another. Right, there's, there's calls over and over and over again in Scripture to be this kind of authentic community that is open and honest, that consistently loves each other, that is consistently just, just going after each other, not, not in a bad way, but, but seeking after the good of everyone else in the community. Right, this is the early church. They're an authentic community. Right, you, you can't take a snapshot of the early church and say, yeah, they were just, they were just faking it. Right, that, that wasn't real. That wasn't, that wasn't for real. Yeah, tell that to the guy who sold his field. Tell that to the guy who sold his house because the community needed it. Tell, tell that to the guy who sold all of his possessions because there was a need. That's authentic right there. That's a community that is consistent with each other. That's a community that is, can you imagine the encouragement that would be? Not only to the people that just watched that happen, but to the person that happened too. Imagine, imagine being the one getting that gift. You know what? Hey, I, I know you have this need. I know you have this going on. So because of that, I sold my house. I sold my field. I sold everything that I had. And here you go. I mean, talk about just a, a mind-blown moment for that person. That's the kind of community that I'm talking about when we say connecting. When I say we're a church that connects, that's what I'm talking about. That we are a church of authentic community. That we are a church that loves each other no matter what. That we're a church that's going to encourage each other no matter what we're going through. We're going to celebrate with each other when we celebrate. We're going to mourn with each other when we mourn. That's just the kind of community that we are. We're people who connect. What does it look like for us here, practically in this church? Our Connect Council is uh, headed up by, by Rachel. My wife, Rachel, who's not here, I just pointed to an empty seat, that's right. She's with our son, who really does have pneumonia. I wasn't joking about that. And Olivia. They're kind of in, they're, they're in charge of, of the Connect Council. And their job is to provide opportunities for us as a church to, to get together, to build relationship, to grow in relationship with one another, to encourage one another, to be real with each other, to be with each other. That's their whole thing. And if that's something that, that you think like, man, that's, that's what I, I'm feeling that. I get that. I, I, I see myself. I, I have that kind of strength. Like, I would be good working with something like that. I would be really good being involved in something like that. I want you to, I want you to tell them. I want you to talk to them. I want you to, maybe it's not today. Maybe you need to pray about it for a little bit. But on the 22nd, we're going to have an t- opportunity in the foyer where you can, you can just ask some questions and you can just be there and, and, and say, you know what, hey, I'd be, open to, I'd be open to helping out. I'd be open to being involved in your connect group. I'd be open to, to being involved in that. Fresno First Church is a church that connects. Amen. That we're one. 
Jesus prayed this prayer. Father, may they be one, just as you and I are one. Here's the, here's the coolest part about that. That they may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that, here's, here's the coolest thing about this, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. It may seem a little surface level to say, hey, yeah, we're just going to get together and hang out. We're going to get together and connect. We're going to get together. We're going to have this authentic community. We're going to be people that are close. It's not surface level at all. And in fact, it, it carries deep, deep results. Because as we are one, as Jesus and the Father are one, the world will see that, that Jesus was sent by God. How will the world know that we are his disciples? By the way that we love each other. Fresno First Church is a church that connects. Amen. I'm excited to talk about grow and serve. But I want you to come next week too to hear Rob speak. It's going to be a great message. Let me pray for us this morning.